and Luke. We could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. Thought, 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 thought. Boomerang. Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. Kellen Olson is in here today with me. It is Wolf and Luke, and since Kellen is here, and since they just lost by 25 to the Wizards, feels like a good time to figure out what's going on with the uh, Phoenix Suns again. Let me, before we play any of this James Jones audio, Kellen, we're 36 games in. I don't want to be ridiculous and go on the roller coaster ride after every game. You know what I mean? And and going into the Memphis game, it was like, all right, you know, Booker's hurt. You got guys hurt. Landry Shamit's not even playing, and he was kind of filling some of the scoring. How are they supposed to beat a team like Memphis? And they beat them by 17. So then it was like, okay, you know, obviously we overreacted. And we're thinking it's still the Suns, right? And then they go out there and get smoked by Washington. So we obviously can't keep living on that emotional roller coaster for another 46 regular season games. But I just, I, this is not going to get out of my mind. Six weeks from today is the NBA trade deadline, and I'm hoping the Suns look significantly different six weeks and a day from now. Some of that just being guys coming back, but significantly different from the team they have to run out there right now. Can you even remember what our expectations were for the Suns when Chris Paul got here? Do you even remember? Um, it was just be good, right? Make, like make the playoffs. I think, I think what we it was it was uh, try to finish top four, like number four, number five. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Then they made the finals. They're like, okay, they need to win a championship. Yes. And it was it was. Even like sixty percent into that year, we, I think we were saying like they need to win a championship. Like they, this is their, and that sort of mindset change is just where we're at right now with this team, and it's where it should be in any situation. But obviously, this one in particular stands out because the Suns have never won a championship before in the history of their franchise, and that absolutely matters whenever we're bringing up stuff like this. It, it absolutely does, and. Something I wrote about on ArizonaSports.com yesterday, looking at Devin Booker's injury and what it what it means and all that kind of stuff. And to me, what it means is your evaluation period of this team is basically done. Mm-hmm. You now understand what you have, any chance you are going to get at getting maybe three weeks of your healthy roster by... I don't know, like mid to late January when both cams are back and, and Booker was still healthy and all that kind of stuff. Landry Shamit's back by then. That's out the window. Uh, if Book meets this four week timeline, he'll be back with two weeks left until the trade deadline. If it's five weeks or whatever, you got a week. Like it, that's not going to be enough. You can't do a two week sample yeah. size anyway. You already, and you, you got to be working on the trades at that point anyway. You only have two weeks since Cam Johnson w- was healthy. Like it was, it was eight games. That was it. So. The evaluation period is done now, and now it's just a matter of how you think about this team in terms of a championship contender and all that kind of stuff. And I think the big question that they have to answer, and the one that I wrote about, was picking between the two windows, the Chris Paul window right now, and then the long-term window in the future with just pretty much everyone else that's still young and, and under long-term contracts on the team. We assume Cam Johnson is going to join DeAndre and Mikel Bridges and Devin Booker as guys with long-term contracts on the team. And it's just a matter of maintaining that flexibility and kind of the way that I... Um, wrote about it was just like this patience is secured by the fact that they have all of this flexibility with all their picks, all their swaps. They have these mid-level contracts that are easy to trade so they can wait and be patient if they want to be, which is what James Jones, is, he chose to be last offseason and he chose to be now. But I think what you're seeing right now with this 20-16 and 16 team, while noting that yes, injuries have played a significant factor in where they're at right now, you are seeing their offseason catch up to them. And their offseason was 
not really doing much. They, they didn't really do much. They were in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. Well, uh, guess what? You either undersold your offer or you misread the situation and just didn't see it for what it was, which wasn't much, I guess. We can't really speak on it too much without knowing how serious the offers were for Kevin Durant, but that's, it just seems like that was a public breakup more than anything. And the way that I wrote about it over the summer was you, you see Carly and Max together at the party and you're like, oh, those two kids. Didn't they just break up last week? I can't even keep track anymore. Oh my gosh. That's how the, the Nets and Kevin Durant have been the last couple of years. And that's and now they're the annoyingly happy couple that doesn't lose. Yeah, now they're just like, oh my God, Valentine's Day is coming up. I wonder what he's going to get me. It might be my 16th straight win. You know what? Those couples are always the ones that have the problems behind the scenes. So I still, I still don't believe in the Nets. I really don't. Yeah, but then you, so you go back to that and you're like, okay, well, what happened after Drain? And I joined our shows and I was like, James Jones is a smart guy, and, and I'm not saying this point to prove that he's not, but I just always assumed that when Kevin Durant. Uh, broke down. Okay, you got Plan B, Plan C, Plan D, Plan E, and so on. And you're going to get someone in here who's going to change and shake up a little bit of what's going on, add a different dynamic to your team. Uh, we we did not see that. We did not see that at all. And I said on our podcast, and I probably said on an interview here too, if they didn't add another scoring sort of creator or just another ball handler that was going to factor significantly into the rotation, like I would not give them a passing grade for their offseason. And they didn't do it, so I didn't give them that passing they grade. And, and they still haven't. And now the question is six weeks in, okay, uh, let me ask you this. Do you think that this year is their last year to win a title with Chris Paul? Do you believe there's even a chance they could next year? Um, I still think there is a chance, but you would have to change things to the point where like this year, I think winning a title is contingent on Chris Paul being really good. Next year, I think he could be on the team and you win. You know what I mean? So I think from a team construction standpoint, that's impossible because you think about the money. And if Cam yeah. Johnson is back next year, you've got those five humongous contracts. That's, that's you probably fair. You can't just trade, get Eric Gordon in for Dario Saric and Landry Shamit and then have all that money on the books with another huge salary next to five other huge salaries. I don't think it works. So I think this year is really their last year where they have a serious chance, like a serious chance, and I still believe they do, to win a championship with him. So now you've got six weeks to improve that roster, which needs to improve or else you're looking at a first-round exit, potentially. That's what you're looking at right now. And now, and I just wonder, it's really difficult to make midseason trades, but I wonder, and, and the way I ended it and the, and the tag was, like, we're going to find out in six weeks if James Jones believes that this is like the window to pick. And I believe if he doesn't make a big move in the next six weeks, then that signals that he's looking more towards the flexibility of the future than the present right now. I, I, see, I don't know who's that, right or wrong. That, well, that's a whole different conversation that we'll get into later on the show because if that's the point, then to me you're just trying to stay relevant every year. I, go for it. This team has never won a title. Go for it. If, it's a, if there's a realistic chance to do it, you got to go for it. And yes, the Western Conference is really good, but there's also not really one dominant team. Uh, real quick, here's James Jones on with Burns and Gamble yesterday. They asked him, okay, Booker injury. Now you have a rough idea of a timeline. And does that mean a move is more urgent? No, I mean, I, I don't think it didn't, it, from day one it hasn't been uh, dictated by the players. It's been dictated by the opportunities. And, and so like, my focus on continuing to think about how I can build the team for the long term to finish strong, that that's at an all-time high. Um, so this doesn't change that. Um, internally, it, it puts pressure on how we use what we currently have but it's not you know it's not it's not one of those things that that forces our hands and, and has us out there scrambling to do whatever we can possibly do uh, because you know it's about what's, what we can do that's going to make us the best team at the end of the season a couple things here before we hit the break kellen one 
I don't care about the 22nd pick in the draft next year for this team. I really don't. If you can package picks or Jay Crowder or with Jay Crowder to get somebody that can help you make a run right now, even if you don't win the title, but you make a run and you were going for it, and let's say you get to the finals or you get to the Western Conference finals, nobody's going to fault you next year when somebody else is picking 22nd in the draft instead of you. The other thing, and and I, I this is something you said in the offseason with all the Kevin Durant stuff, it's really hard to win a championship when you make a, like a franchise-altering move mid-season. That, that's you that said that. I'm quoting you to you. Think about that. That's like the most meta thing that's ever happened on the show. Leonardo DiCaprio here spinning the thingy at the end of Inception. Yeah, I, never, I still never figured out what that's crazy. One thing meant. to just keep in mind for the next six weeks, Jay Crowder expiring contract, Dario Sarge expiring contract. You have to trade at least one of those guys. But you have to trade Crowder. You have to trade both of them, I think, and, and get better players in here for right now, at least. like you, have, you Just let them go for nothing. Like You can't do that. It's The inactivity is weird but in six weeks, if it's still inactive, then it's just unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, we come back. Colt McCoy is out of concussion protocol and set to start against the Falcons. Is that necessarily what you want if you are a Cardinals fan? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke, Kellen Olsen in for Wolf and Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We got the uh, official word yesterday from Cliff Kingsbury that Colt McCoy will be starting or is expected to start against, uh, you can't say anything definitive with the Cardinals this year because of the injuries, but expected to start Sunday against Atlanta. And um, is that necessarily what you want if you're a Cardinals fan? For a couple reasons, Kellen. And I'll just let you start there with the open-ended question. That's not open-ended. That's a yes-no. Let me rephrase this. Mm-hmm. Um what are the benefits, the pros and cons of Colt McCoy starting on Sunday? And I'll need your answer in the form of a question. The pros are you have the best chance to win the football game. The cons are you have the best, best chance to win, win the football game. game. <laughs> uh, I will and it ultimately, dis- you have to decide which we know what side that the decision makers there want. They want to win football games. And look, they've had a tough year. I, I don't blame them for wanting to just have their best chance to win a football game here. Do you, you've kind of mentioned it here and there. Do you want to see more McSorley just to be sure? Well, okay, there's a couple things there. First of all, the end of Hard Knocks last night where they were shown the locker room after the loss to the Buccaneers, <laughs> they definitely, to your point, are still... Obviously, the players and the coaches are always trying to win, but they like they looked like they just lost a play. There was the game. ominous Cliff making his post-game speech and Bidwell's in the background glancing at him every now just and then. silence yeah, for a while. Like, yeah. It was just like this, like, man, what I thought J.J. Watt was about to, to give a speech, but he was just in the middle of the locker room, just like knees down, just like, oh my gosh. It, it, it was so somber. The, and everybody was just like kind of standing, looking at each other. I thought that we were going to see J.J. Watt tell his teammates he was retiring on Sunday, even though none of us found out until what was that Tuesday. That's that's how that's how like jarring the scene was in the locker room after the game. Um, so yeah, obviously they want to win, and, and just on a human level, those guys could use a win. The Trace McSorley thing, that angle to this is interesting because I would think. You want to see what you have in him. And you've got two games left that aren't going to hurt you standings-wise if you lose them, where you can kind of play around and try some stuff. So am I supposed to read into the fact that they're going right back to Colt McCoy that they've already seen enough from Trace McSorley? And they're like, okay, look, at least within the context of the start of next season, 
it's we're fine having this guy as a backup or we're fine having him around the organization in case we have to use him in an emergency situation. But but, you know, we're not he's there's no chance he's going to be starting for us in week one next year. I'm guessing they're probably there because we talked about this going into the game last week. There's nothing Trace McSorley could do in the final three games that would make me disappointed they didn't play that song on the show last night. Where where do these keep coming from? Maloney has all of them. Are you an NFL player? You have some random song with your name in it? Trace McSorley is like the song. You've never heard that song? No, no. I haven't heard the song. Please play the song. You haven't heard the Trace McSorley song? Oh, man. I really want to hear the song right now. (laughs) Is he just saying the same thing over and over again? Is that a three-second loop? Well, if you'd listen, maybe you know. Knowledge to this. I think these are just cuts. This guy's really clever. This is the actual song. Oh, this is the full song. Michigan defense softened in that cheesecake. Beaver Stadium. Get loud. And DeAndre going long. I'm taking my headphones off. I don't think it's going to end. You called for the song. I can't even talk anymore. I can't even hear if it's on right now, brother. You tell me. My favorite part was Baker won the Heisman. Next up, Trace McSorley. <laughs> that aged poorly. Okay. I don't even know what she said, man. Well, you missed the line of Baker. This is weird translating to a co-host who just took the headset off. Um, all right, it's over. You can put your headset back. You're lying. Yeah, I am. Okay, now. Next up, Trace McSorley. That's probably the highlight of this Cardinal season is that song. Now it's gone. It's over. You can come. I would rather hear that song for an hour than watch Cooper Rush play quarterback for the Cardinals next year. See what I did there? We're transitioning into free agent quarterbacks next year. Whoa. Well, look, that that is the question, though. Bringing back Colt McCoy and starting him this week, presumably, is that saying... Getting a jump on next year. Well, so then is that saying we need to see if Colt is the guy to start next year? Like, are they making these decisions based entirely on, and I would understand it if that's what Cliff's doing, we need to win this game on Sunday, or are you doing this like, okay, we know Colts back next year. Is there a chance he could start early next season? There's such an unknown because you don't know if Kyler Murray's going to miss game one or the first two months of the season. So do you need to go out and add a quarterback or... Are you going to roll? I don't think you can roll with this duo to start next season. I, nothing against them. I put my headset back on. Don't tell Aaron. Okay. So there, there is logic here. So, so there's logic that quarterback is the most valuable position in sports, undeniably, and you should prioritize your assets towards it in any way possible. That there is not logic here because Colt McCoy is getting paid like a good backup quarterback, and that's what he is going to get paid next year. So then you're going to pay him to be a really good third stringer for. What do you want to say? Six games, eight games, ten games? Kyler misses, like your guess, seven, nine. He might miss two or three, but then you have to deal with the concern of sometimes guys come back from this injury and don't look like themselves for another full year. Now, that's sort of secondary to this conversation because if Kyler Murray's back in week three, he's obviously your starter. The whether or not he's Kyler Murray or not, <laughs> that, that determines how good your team can be. But for the purposes of what you're saying, when Kyler's back, he's playing. But let's go ahead and assume that's at least not for the first 
three weeks. Stop me when I name a quarterback definitively better than Colt McCoy. You ready? Okay, so within the context of here we go, starting the 2023 Cardinals season, the first month of the season. Well, you would be like, that is an upgrade over Colt McCoy without a shadow of a doubt. Okay. Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, Mason Rudolph, Baker Mayfield. Why don't teams give up Jacoby Brissett? Okay. Gardner Minshew. I, I I would like Minshew. I'd like Minshew, Minshew too. Yeah. And maybe even Brissett, although he wasn't great with the Browns. Case Keenum, Tyler Huntley, Cooper Rush, Daniel Jones is probably going to get paid by someone. Drew Locke, Joe Flacco, Taylor Heineke, Andy Dalton. Like you're you're scrapping the barrel already. I, and Heineke thing, and Huntley would be interesting to me. It would be, but at the same time, we're talking about three or six games. You're talking about your season. And this team, you and I talked about this heading into the year. We looked at their draft and we were like, man, they need to hit on two or three of these picks in the top three rounds really badly because they have holes on their roster. I believe the number Bickley's been throwing around is 28 free agents, 29 free agents that they have on this roster. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of issues that they need to address at a lot of different positions, but at the same time, I'm talking about quarterbacks. So if you view one of those free agent quarterbacks as a serious upgrade over Colt McCoy, and we're talking about Kyler missing more than five or six games, yeah, sure. Like a one-year deal for those guys, I, I would endorse it, but I, you would need to have those two things, and I'm not sure the quarterback is even going to be available. Minshew Mania would be fun, though. I'd enjoy myself. I'm all in. Minshew, of those names you rattled off, I would go Minshew 1, Heineke 2, Huntley 3. I may miss somebody because you rattled off a few there at the end pretty quickly. But if you just told me, hey, you might need this guy. You might need him for two months next season. I feel like... Watch when they draft a quarterback in the third round and everyone's braids explode. <laughs> I don't want to play a rookie in week one. Yeah, I, I know, know people keep talking about that. Like maybe you should draft one. I know. If you're drafting one, then you're trying to trade Kyler, right? Like I don't want to play a rookie in week one. Um, it's we used to talk about this over the summer of like one of the worst things that happens to your cap, and, and typically you have to do it when you feel like you have your franchise quarterback. But one of the worst things that happens is when that that big payday kicks in. We were wrong, Kellen. What's worse is when that big payday kicks in and that guy can't even play because he's hurt. And speaking of injuries, I don't even know if it's fair to evaluate Colt McCoy much this season because of the offensive line that he's been forced to play with. Not the same goes for Kyler because he had the start of the season when injuries weren't there as prevalent as much, but Colt McCoy is working with maybe one starter a week on the other offensive line, and we've seen him just take the beating for it. I think what it comes down to is like I'm comfortable with Colt McCoy as the backup, very comfortable with him as the backup. And I do, I understand the thought of, hey, maybe Trace McSorley has, maybe he has a future in this league. And that might be influenced by the song because it is so catchy. But it, it not not in the, the context of him starting week one for the Cardinals next year. You know what I mean? I don't really, I, I would like Colt to be the backup and somebody else to be the starter in week one next year. That's why that game was so just ridiculous when, when Kyler gets hurt too because Everything seemingly that could go wrong for them on the field this year had already happened, and now you start to to impact next season too. Tough on this season. Isn't I it? would like to see McSorley at Landis five and ten. This is a low key huge game. You heard it first here: Falcons, Cardinals, <laughs> the big one. McSorley Ritter only on Arizona Sports, the local leader. We would look back on this when it's McSorley Ritter in the Super Bowl in fifteen years and be like, "Remember that? That was a sneak preview." That might have more of a chance happening than Jesse's Bull Bull proclamation. No, he hasn't said that on the air. I feel like we need to bring him on and, and make that proclamation. Like, no. No? Okay. We don't. 
He made it on Twitter. No, I'm, I'm right here. Bull Bull is going to be a very good basketball player going Aaron, forward. why does he have access to his microphone? That's not what you said on Twitter. He's going to be a multi, multi-time all-star, and he's he he projects to being somebody that like a Jokic or a Giannis. He's kind of one of these unicorns. Did you have you watched him play? Yes, have you watched, watched what he does? Play. Aaron, isn't that crazy how I looped Jesse into the conversation when you were making my life miserable five minutes well, ago? And what's the, and funny the look too you were giving me just now was is, like, why did you loop Jesse in? And then you remember what you did to me seven eighth minutes ago? Field goal no, percentage. actually, eighth. I was saying. He was a duck, so of course uh, I agree with Jesse. Eight ineffective field goal percentage. Giannis is sixtieth. I try and I fail. I if you want to start a basketball team and you want to take Bull Bull over Giannis, I will take Giannis a hundred percent. Okay, well I I probably would now, but. And in five years, years, I'll take Giannis okay. over Bull Bull. Okay. All right. So just I want to get this out there because it's now going to be a recurring thing on the show. If Bull Bull ever closes the gap on Giannis or Nikola Jokic. How many Magic games have you games? watched this year? I've watched the highlights. <sighs> but we're going to break because. <laughs> Did you see his poster? Cut, off his, Cut off his Dex microphone. Cut off his microphone. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620, 620 right now. We come back. What went wrong last night for the Suns? We're going to talk to Arizona sports editor and co-host of Empire of the Suns podcast while we're going to reunite the podcast. Kevin Zimmerman joins us next. Can you reunite something that's not over? We'll find out next. It's uh, Wolf and Luke. Kellen Olson in for Wolf and Arizona sports, the local sports leader. And Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Okay, this is big. Kellen Olsen's in for Wolf. All right? So we have half of the Empire of the Suns podcast. And then we just brought in Kevin Zimmerman, too. So you could make the case Kevin Zimmerman is a guest on the Wolf and Luke show, but I would make the case that this is my first time ever on the Empire of the Suns podcast. Did we have you on last postseason or no? Or did I have you on last postseason? Uh, I don't think so. This weirdo took a vacation during like the Dallas series, so I had all the hosts on. Oh, I didn't have you on. I didn't invite you. That's all. <laughs> this is getting more <laughs> okay. by the minute. On to the Bull Bull segment. Extended. To be fair, you are the most busy. Like You're in your suit right now because you have a job after the job to go to the job, and then I, you got to get ready for your other job before the job. That busy was man you. Really just to mediate the argument between you and, uh, and, and Rick about how good... Um, Bull Bull is. We'll get back into that later on. That may spill into the newsroom. Like the time we tried to convince Jared his name rhymed with ferret and he decided to... Kevin, I will ask Jesse if he's seen the magic this year and he said he's seen highlights. That's what he said. I heard. Yes. And prior that to was- the segment, <laughs> Kellen said he's just going to tell me he only, has only watched the highlights and then it happened. All right. This is not why we brought you in here, even though it's all that matters in our worlds now. Mm-hmm. Um, what is going on last night. How do you lose to Washington twice? I understand there's injuries, but come on, man. By 25, when DeAndre Ayton puts up 31? You don't have enough ball handlers. Oh, I've said this on every show, I think, for the past two years. When we talk about the negative parts of this team, and, and there are not that many, but when you look at the construction of this team, I think you just look at it. It's simple. It's Chris Paul is not close to an all-star level, let alone, you know, all the NBA levels he's been at. And then you take Devin Booker, who's his running mate and is better than him now. And you take both of those away and uh, those things will happen. And look, like the Suns system is really good about bringing the best out of good basketball players. And right now, Dwayne Washington Jr. is probably the one guy you can say, oh, that guy, every time he shoots, he's... He's confident. He knows he has to shoot for this team to be good. And there's just, at whatever talent level he's at, but there's just not enough of those guys on this team. 
Kevin's thing on the podcast has always been being a week or two ahead of me on certain things. Like he'll say something and be like, oh, yeah, I guess that's sort of because we were it was after either game three or game four. I was in my hotel room in New Orleans and, and you were just like, this is not the Suns team that we saw at all. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, the first two games were pretty great. It's been two games on the road. Let's see. And then a couple games later, a couple weeks later, you were right. So with that in mind, watching the defense specifically, I think that that's the number one. Yes, Chris Paul is playing at this level. Yes, whatever. But if they don't get back to just being at least an average defense, they're going to be in trouble in the regular season in terms of finishing with home court advantage. What are you seeing defensively that's contributing to uh, some of the issues that they're having and being almost a bottom five defense for the last two months. I mean, I think you know, and, and you mentioned in your column yesterday, like Jay Crowder missing, that's a, a key voice on the defense where it keeps things connected. Guys are communicating. I mean, last night there was just a simple breakdown between DeAndre Aiden and Mikel Bridges where it didn't look like they knew whether it was a switch or whatever, and it's just basic breakdowns like that where it puts someone a half step off even if they try to fix it he got called for a foul in that play that I'm thinking of and there are too many of those even when they subbed all the guys in at the end of the game when it was over and they um, Hachimura was shooting a third free throw in a row after Chris Paul got a tech in between two free throws um, from a personal foul they just didn't box out because they thought it was not the second free throw and, and that kind of stuff just tells me this team is not right mentally they're not focused and I don't know what it is that is causing that but it's not good I would say and defense yeah you're right it, it's the defense identity should be be there still and it's not and Luke you just think about how many layups you see the team give up how many open shots around the rim and that's the thing like you can we can sit here and talk about rotations switching ball screens and defensive rating and metrics and all that kind of stuff but for just like the casual fan watching you know when you see them give up an open layup or a back cut you're like what, what was that because that just never happened last year at all but now it's happening a lot over the last couple of weeks and to my question to him it's just like how is what has changed uh kevin zimmerman is in here kevin realistically here too now you have the trade deadline in six weeks not the you could add, you can't add a Giannis or, or Bobo in this case. Better not. You can't, you can't make a ridiculous move like that. But what could you? What if you're running this team right now? What's your plan over the next six weeks? That's the thing too, where it's like if you don't make a drastic move and you can't because those options don't seem very obvious, you know, Kevin Durant's on the hottest team in the NBA right now and that kind of thing. Like, do you even want to make a panic move because? you have to or this team is only going to win 45 games like do you want to do that just because just to make you maybe a semifinals team I, I don't even know and that's kind of what we're at in trying to decipher what James Jones is thinking because like does Kyle Kuzma push this team into the conference semifinals is that worth giving up two draft picks when maybe those draft picks this summer present you with a grander opportunity so I think that's where you've got to weigh it and honestly Fans might be more disappointed that there's not any trades at this deadline, even if things look as not great as they seem right now, because I don't think you want to make drastic moves and lose things for smaller moves when you just got to wait for the right opportunity in the offseason. Kind of to your point, Kevin, and what you've been bringing up in terms of your attitude on the team and just how you feel like they're a little bit shy, I think a lot of that right now has to do with the real-time reactions to the way DeAndre and Mikel Bridges are playing. And something you and I talked about a ton, even back in training camp, when Monty was talking about, yeah, we want to get them more on the ball and we want to get both of them more involved. Cam Johnson was in the discussion, too, and he was like, as long as we have it figured out by April or May, that's fine. And we kind of get lost on that in the real-time adjustments. But the crazy thing that has kind of happened here is that they were already in a position 
position where they were going to do more. And then the injuries stockpiled, and then they're doing even more. And and that's kind of goes back to why they were not necessarily limited in their role in the last two years, but why they took it slow with these guys. And you can kind of see what happens, especially in these last three to four weeks, what kind of drops off in their game when they're asked to do much more offensively. Are you, can you buy into the in-season development for them that we're looking two, three months down the line and this was actually a good thing for them while they were losing basketball games doing it? Yeah, I think you can buy into that and I'm sure they'll say that because when you're talking trades or bringing the best out of the current team at hand, like you want to see what stretching Mikel Bridges is like. Like he has gotten better. Like the percentages have dropped lately because he's taken on so much and defenses can just hey we know what he's doing um but i think he has to go through that remember in like year one year two devin booker went through oh what teams are double teaming this like 19 20 year old um that was a respect thing if if teams are doing that to obviously a lesser degree to Mikel bridges and deandre ayton when he catches it in the post and they just know that hey him passing out to josh akogi for three is not the end of the world um if those players learn from that and regardless of how good you think they can be then i think there's a lot of value to that um looking to whatever scenario you think this team is going to end up at at the end of the year Kevin, real quick before we let you go, what is in your mind the cutoff where you just you can't drop lower than in the Western Conference? You know what I mean? Like at the start of the season, it was like, hey, you got to finish top two or top three, and then it was you got to have home court, and you don't want to be in the play-in round. I would say that, right? Like where you've got four weeks here at least without Devin Booker on top of everything else. How far can they drop without being in serious trouble? Honestly, I'm not even concerned for them about that because I think you could be in the playoff rounds for the next month or the play-in rounds by the end of the next month and still be in a good, you know, can climb to the out of that or climb maybe into the top four. I don't even know just because it's so bunched up still right now. So I, I think they're in a fine spot where you've got to win games against the Washington Wizards probably. Um, and maybe for that. they'll figure that out. Yeah, but yeah, I, I wouldn't concern myself with that. I think it's more of the whole where they're at and if Devin Booker can really get back in a month. You had uh, other hosts on Empire of the Suns when Kevin was gone. He didn't have me on. And I got you and Aaron to hate me in this 11 o'clock hour. This is really okay. good. My chances of coming back to the show now. This is it. Everyone, the swan song for Kellen Olsen on the Wolf and Luke show because he's getting everyone else to hate him. I'm sure like in this 11.45 segment, stay tuned because I'm going to make Wolf hate me too somehow. Right, this this is just, be, well, you already got Jesse too because you, cool. you told him. Kevin, do you still love me? Better. We're good. We're good. Wow, I don't maybe, know how you do a podcast with this guy. It's amazing. You've got a few hours to not insult me. Maybe we'll make a podcast later. <laughs> Kevin, thanks a lot, man. Good stuff. Uh, all right. The uh, Chris Christmas through New Year's Day week is the lowest week of the year for blood donations. January is the highest blood usage month of the year for patients. So please consider making a blood drive uh, or donation rather on Sunday, January 8th at Vitalant's Saving Arizona Blood Drive. Schedule your appointment now at vitalant.org slash save AZ. When we come back, they were all excited in Vegas when they got Derek Carr and reunited him with Devontae Adams. Could benching Derek Carr drive Devontae Adams right back out of Vegas? We'll go through the biggest NFL storylines next. It's Wolf and Luke, Kellen Olsen, and for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Alright, we got football tonight. Kellen Olsen sitting to my right. He kicked Kevin out for the Empire of the 
Sons podcast that I got to be on for 10 minutes. It's, it's now over. Oh, you get um, We got Tennessee and we got Dallas tonight, Kellen. Now, you missed it yesterday when Max was in here. Aaron, when we were doing overreactions, was like, hey, you know what? What if uh, Jacksonville and Tennessee just sat all their players this week, right? Because it's really not going to matter until they meet next week. Pretty much whoever wins that matchup in Week 18 is going to win that division. And I laughed and I was like, that's so ridiculous. Tennessee is sitting everybody. Derrick Henry's doubtful. Josh Dobbs is starting a quarterback tonight. So if you were looking for a reason to get excited for Cowboys, Titans, I think you just got it. Josh Dobbs and who knows who the running back is against the Dallas Cowboys. You still have a chance to win that division. You are not going to see many teams favored by two touchdowns on the road. The Cowboys are favored by two touchdowns on the road. So that's right, everyone. 6.15 p.m. Prime Video. Tune in. Dobbs Prescott. Should be a segment where we try to sell things in our cheesiest radio voice possible. Dobbs Prescott. Nissan Stadium, Nashville, Tennessee. I would assume Dontrell Hilliard is the running back for Tennessee, but they've already kind of shown they don't care about this game, so there's something there. Um, What we tease going to break. Here's Ian Rappaport. This is from today. And just to catch everybody up, Derek Carr benched for the final two games. Jarrett Stidham is the answer in Vegas. Not really, but they want to try somebody else since they're out of it. So, okay, Derek Carr. Derek Carr's like, all right, now I'm going to kind of be away from the team here then for a little bit if I'm not going to play. If you think Jarrett Stidham is better than me, I'm, I I think we would all in that situation be like, I need some time to let that sink in. Here's Ian Rappaport today. It would work the same way that we've seen a lot of trades work. Remember, Alex Smith, a couple years back, got traded during Super Bowl week. I remember I was at dinner uh, during Super Bowl week, agreed to a fat new contract. None of it went into effect until after the trade was finalized, which was, I think, a month or so after that, and everybody was fine. We've seen trades, we've seen new contracts, we've seen contract adjustments, all be agreed in principle long before the league year starts if the Raiders are able to trade him. And look, Jared Goff was traded from the Rams, Carson Wentz was traded from the Colts. Everybody can be traded. Uh, If he is able to be traded, I would expect it to happen somewhere in that post-Super Bowl time frame. So that's interesting. Derek Carr might just be on. We probably will be on a different team next year. It's a really bizarre situation because uh, Luke, you, and I, and everyone listening who is not in the NFL has as much guaranteed money on the books next year in the NFL as Derek Carr. Hmm. They can let go of him, and it's interesting because they gave him a three-year, one hundred twenty-one million dollar extension, but also just this past offseason. But also gave it gave themselves the right to back out of it after this season, which is this really interesting like oh you guys were you guys aware of something that maybe we weren't as the viewing public of me being like yeah maybe Derek Carr is one of the 12 best quarterbacks in the league top 15 certainly like he's pretty good and then we see the season that he's having and you see the Raiders with this out option and anytime you see that kind of stuff where contracts in the NFL with with low guarantees you got to raise your eyebrows a bit and just kind of peek a little further and this is a really interesting one where yeah they could just get rid of him and, and not have any of that money matter I was looking at a list. I think NFL.com put it out of teams most likely to be the landing spot for Derek Carr. Uh, the Jets are at the top of the list. They have the Saints, the Colts, all the teams you would expect that don't have a quarterback for next year. Giants, Panthers, sorry, all due respect to Daniel Jones, but the Giants are on this list. Um, but where this gets even more interesting is you just brought in Devontae Adams, who left what was a good situation in Green Bay, playing with Aaron Rodgers, to play with his former college teammate, Derek Carr, and he was joining a team that made the playoffs last year, the Raiders 
really did make the playoffs last year. So what does it mean for Devontae Adams? This was his reaction yesterday to hearing about Derek Carr getting benched. Obviously, I don't think anybody was excited about it in here. Um, you know, him being one of one of my really good friends and, you know, the reason why I came here in the first place. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here right now if he wasn't, the, you know, if he wasn't here. Okay, well, there's, there's a lot in that 12-second clip. First of all, the I don't think anybody's excited about it. Well, this is self-inflicted. He's not hurt. I mean, they could just keep starting him if no, if everybody's upset about it. But it's the second part there. I wouldn't be here if he wasn't here. Well, it doesn't sound like he's going to be there. So is Devontae Adams still going to be there? No. Uh, that situation is going to blow up and blow up quickly. The Raiders have uh, not been very fortunate with the situations blowing up quickly for them in the last couple of years, to say the least. Uh, February 15th is the... We talk about DeAndre in January 15th, that kind of date. February 15th is the day when $32.9 million for Derek Carr next year becomes fully guaranteed. That's three days after the Super Bowl. So keep an eye on that kind of day. So when the Super Bowl ends, expect to see reports, if they haven't come by them, that Derek Carr was let go. Because, I mean, isn't that what's going to happen here? Why wouldn't he be playing for the last two games of the season if they weren't sure already of the decision that they were making, which is not only that Derek Carr is not our quarterback for the rest of this year, but we're, we're done with Derek Carr as our quarterback ever. Well, and it's not like they have some rookie that they drafted and they're like, let's see what he can do. <laughs> Look, you know what Jared Stidham is. So I really... I, he, even if Derek Carr's not going to be here next year, why wouldn't you just play him the last couple games? That that angle to it is fascinating, but the part that's really fascinating to me is what does it mean for Devontae Adams? Because you're talking about one of the premier receivers in the NFL. He just got there, and like you said, this could quickly blow up in Vegas' face. And, uh, and if that happens, all of a sudden you're talking about one of the top five receivers in football that's available? Can I loop in the local angle here? You can. Right now, as of right now, the 2023 draft order, Cardinals are fourth. The Raiders are ninth. Seems like they might need a quarterback. Someone that might want to trade up a bit. There's a lot of teams in this range that are that potentially could pick behind the Cardinals that will want to get ahead of other teams to get their quarterback. And the Raiders, it sounds like they're going to be one. So keep an eye on how they win or lose those last two games, how the order shapes up, because they could be in a position to want to trade up with a team like Arizona. I remember when they took Isaiah Simmons, was the eight or nine. I remember having the conversation of this is when it's nice to have your quarterback, right? And all the other teams, you're picking high, you have your quarterback, so all these other teams need to move up. Anybody you want that's not a quarterback is more likely to fall to you. That was great. Except now here we are a couple years later and they're picking in the top five again, and it's not so great when you keep doing that. Uh, this note from Ari Mirov, who covers the Eagles. Jalen Hurts spotted at practice today for the first time since Sutton. Uh, Suffering his shoulder injury. That doesn't mean he's playing, but he's out there. I see video. He is, uh, that is Jalen Hurts. I can't tell you anything else. Let's say for the first playoff game that the Eagles play, you're told that Jalen Hurts is going to be 70%. And then if we let him sit a week, he could get to 85 to 90%. Would you sit him? Playoff game? Yeah. Would you go with Minshew Mania in your first game and then the next game, I believe, is the NFC title game? Yeah, I think I think I'm going with Hurts. Now, the caveat is Minshew has enough of a track record in this league where like if he goes out there and plays really well in these last two games. And the Eagles are not just a dominant team right now in the regular season because of Hurts. They are they are stacked across the sound like Micah Parsons when you say that. Just so you know. Oh, now, no. now everybody in Philadelphia hates you too. Sweet. So you've angered Maloney, me, Rick, and all of Philadelphia in the span of fifty four minutes. All of Philadelphia is easy. I mean they're <laughs> they're one word away. They're always so angry. cool with Wolf. Is he okay? Yeah, so far. Right. So far you're good. He hasn't uh, texted in and been like I, I think it's a really here. interesting decision they could have on their hands because if you play him injured and then he and then you're rolling with Minshew the rest of the like you have to be really, really careful with this when you play him. 
Well, you, you're saying no chance you play in these last two games. Though, oh, there has to be no chance yes, okay. that, you, that you do, but I think that it very well... I'm assuming if he plays that first playoff game, he's not 100%. Based on the way this injury has been perceived, I guess, reported? Yeah, I, I think I think you have to. I think the only reason you can even pause and be like, eh, is because Minshew has looked good in this league before, and again, there's still two more games, so he may he may look great against New Orleans and, and against the Giants. He better look good against New Orleans. And yes, this is the Eagles who had Carson Wentz went back when Carson Wentz was good and flipped over to Nick Foles and won the Super Bowl midseason. But I think, can you imagine if you if you don't play Jalen Hurts in your first oh, playoff you game and you lose yeah. in Philadelphia? When you have a chance of the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's yeah, I think I think this is my heart getting in the way. I just want to see a mention playoff game. <laughs> That's just what oh, I want. he's here next year, then yeah. we'll, we'll get to see it. Um, yeah. I had this, like, chilling realization, though, as you were asking that question, that this falls in line with my everything works for Tom Brady theorem, that, okay, he'll get the Cowboys in the first round, they'll pull the Cowboys, and then he'll get the Eagles without Jalen Hurts. Now I hate round. myself. Yeah. So, like, uh, I, everyone else hates me, and now I hate me, too. <laughs> hey, That's Tom, great. Tom Brady likes you, at least. All right, uh, coming up next we're going to take you through the top sports stories of the day and wolfing down your lunch it's wolf and luke kellen olsen in for wolf on arizona sports the local sports leader